The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome back to the Blue Stable, everybody. Welcome back to the Blue Stable podcast, the official Colts podcast of fan-sided guys. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, as always, Michael Pivia. Joined by me, Destin Adams. Rashad could not make it in this one, but we have a very special guest to fill those shoes from the indie star beat writer, Nate Atkins. Everyone's favorite spacer, by the way. Nate, what's going on, man? Favorite spacer, man. I'm catching up because I just did my first one last week and I'd like to figure out how to even do it. But the energy is high among you you guys who write about this team and, and have like followed it forever. It's like I, I did that spaces and I thought it would take like an hour and it lasted four hours. And it's like there's one there. I know you guys did one tonight. It's like everyone wants to talk about this team. And it's like but it also kind of drives you crazy because it all goes back to this waiting game at the same position. And it's just like you just kind of keep talking yourself in circles and new ideas and rabbit holes because they still don't have a quarterback. And yet until they do, that kind of dominates every single bit of conversation. Wow. Are we saying Sam Ellinger is not a quarterback? Yeah, I like Sam <laughs> and I know they like Sam, but um, I don't know. I don't think he's getting uh, Chandler Jones to sign here. Or Tyron Matthew or Taron Armstead could be wrong though. Nate, it's okay. You don't have to sell me. Um, I think Sam Ellinger sucks, and I'm not willing to – I'm not uh, scared to say it. But uh, super excited to have everybody back. Um, Nate, you're going to have to put hashtag spacer in your bio on Twitter now, I guess. Um, you said your first one was last week. I, I got – from all the ones I've seen you in, you have to be over 10. Oh, I, I, yeah, I hop in and out a lot. Oh, so you, so like, you had to have been in more than yeah, 10 hours. Yeah, I'm just fascinated by, like, the, the Deshaun Watson stuff, and there's, like – two of those going on at the same time all the time and so oh, and like, every single one of those fan bases thinks they're the front runners right now every every single one it, it's yeah. it's it's really fun it really and is it's, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of ugly when three of them lose and it's like what now it's okay um a lot of those uh, fan bases are probably used to uh losing um if we're being honest so uh but like like you said, the Colts uh, have not found out the quarterback position, um, but we have not actually done a podcast, fans, and since Carson Wentz was officially moved, we actually released our podcast last the day the trade happens. We recorded the night before. Really unfortunate timing. Um, just really uh, ate into us. And if I 
my wife uh, was not going to let me jump on an emergency podcast right after the night of before um, doing a podcast. So Carson Wentz is no longer a cult, guys. Um, this might seem like old news to us. It actually was only just announced today um, for the Colts. Um, so Carson Wentz traded to the Commanders. Um, the return ends up being a 2022 second-round pick swap. The Colts move up five spots in the second round from the 47 to the 42. They also receive a 2022 third-round pick and a 2023 third that turns into a second if Carson Wentz hits a certain snap count. Um, so the Carson Wentz snap count is going to continually follow him for the rest of his career, it sounds like. Yeah, I think that's just that's just what it is at this point. I think the percentage this past year was what seventy five percent, correct? Sounds then, about right. And then I, now, now this year, I think it's going to be seventy. So I think it dropped down just a few. Uh, so maybe that's good news. Who knows? Uh, hopefully, Washington does, doesn't decide to pull that plug and possibly save that potential second round pick. But the the return on that was better than i ever imagined it would be i thought you would get a couple late picks or something like that but to get day two picks all the way around and be able to move five spots up in the draft going from 47 to 42 it just and you don't have to eat any money that's what was the craziest thing you to me you don't have to eat any money at all and like i said i think on that day last week Chris Ballard was the most worshipped man on NFL Twitter. If you want to go bid on a house, if you want to go trade in a crappy car and get a Ferrari, you want Chris Ballard right there by your side. Yeah, it's just amazing to kind of look back because if you take their first trade for Carson Wentz and they gave up a first and a third for a guy who had led the league in picks and sacks, I mean, that might be an F at this point. It's at best a D, but then you take this one where it's like they took a guy that they publicly for weeks were saying, we don't believe in him as the guy a year after he led the league in picks and sacks and is traded for the second time by a coach and Frank Reich, who is supposedly the one who believed in him most. And they almost got the same return back. Like that's at least a B and that may be an A. So overall, it's probably like a C or a C minus, which is still not winning at the quarterback spot. Like they've still got to get it fixed. But at least they avoided disaster here, and they're in a spot where it looked like a terrible spot where they didn't have a first-round pick. And it's like, what are they ever going to do to find the next quarterback? Well, now they have, you know, they moved up five spots in the second round. They have two-thirds. They Next year they may have two seconds. Like, they have a spot in this draft or the next one. If there's a quarterback they want to go up and get, they have the ammo to do that. They didn't get set back in a way that's like, you can't possibly go and get the other one. It just goes to show that, like, failure is cheap at that position. Like Carson showed that for the Eagles, like they somehow have just wiped clean and now they have all this draft capital in the world after they paid Carson Wentz a salary that they quickly started to regret. I mean, even the Rams, like they had to pay picks to get Jared Goff off their team, but they did it in conjunction with bringing in Matthew Stafford and winning the Super Bowl. So it's like you can you'll fail by not taking those swings, maybe even more than if you take them and they don't work, because at least like you're still, there's just such a range in like what quarterbacks can bring where like, there's a team like the commanders that still wants a Carson Wentz, even if you don't. Another man's trash is another man's treasure. Um, is that a mindset GM should live by? Who knows? Um, but it sure feels like people do. Um, I mean, Carson Wentz, 
I feel like I was higher on him than most of the uh, Colts fans this past year. Um, I still feel like it was the right decision to move off him. Um, I, I guess it just – like, like you guys said, the, the price we ended up getting, I feel like it has a lot to do with the timing. Um, I mean, we're watching the 49ers now, and they are struggling to get suitors. Um, the crazy thing about the Carson Wentz situation is Washington wasn't bidding against themselves. Multiple teams called Indianapolis. Um, I think it all had a lot to do with timing. Um, the Colts knew they wanted to get this done first before some of the other dominoes fell. Um, they got multiple teams interested um, enough so to get Washington to raise their price. I mean, the initial offer that people are reporting was a fourth and a sixth. So to go from a fourth and a sixth to a third and a third slash second, depending on how that it all ends up going. Um, I mean, that's, that's a significant jump. So, I mean, for people saying they think Washington was bidding against themselves, I just don't think you see a team raise their price that much if no one else is included. And I can tell you firsthand, other teams were in on this. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think that I was just going to say that they weren't bidding against themselves. The problem, like, I think what the Colts realized is they had Washington in a tough spot where Washington tried a lot of guys. I mean, a lot. They were calling, like, everybody they thought had a chance to move that was, like, a good quarterback. And teams were telling them no. And when teams weren't telling them no, quarterbacks were telling them no through their agents. Like that is just not a franchise that quarterbacks want to go to right now because they're, you know, they've got all this controversy hanging over themselves um, with the different lawsuits. And then Dan Snyder's known as a meddling owner and quarter. It just shows you quarterbacks have the power, but there's one quarterback who didn't have a lot of power in saying and being choosy of where he could go. And that was Carson Wentz. And it just kind of made this marriage and the Colts were able to put a price tag on it that finally the commanders um decided to go with it was just kind of a really sneaky move by Chris Ballard to get out of a spot that a lot of people thought he was not going to be able to get out of and everything leading up to this guys I mean it all started after the Jacksonville game you know Chris Ballard Frank Wright come out no confidence in Carson they're not saying the same things they were about a Jacoby Brissett or a Phillip Rivers and then at the combine we all thought okay let's see what their thoughts are now, now that they've let everything simmer down, they they've re they've evaluated everything. And it was really more of the same, if not worse in the lack of defense for Carson Wentz. So I'm actually going to hand the reins to Destin right here. Um, we're going to talk about, we're going to get into what led into all of this. There's so much stuff coming out. You know, this wasn't just at the end where you, collapsed against the Raiders and the Jaguars it was well before those two games so I'm gonna hand the reins to Destin we're gonna get into what went down how everything came about and basically everything that he would like to share with us yeah I mean I think the first thing I want to kind of speak out against is I've just seen so many fans saying that Jim Irsay forced Chris Ballard's hand at trading Carson Wentz. That is not the case. Um, this, and this isn't something that actually started right after the Jacksonville game. There was a growing disbelief um, inside the front office, inside the coaching staff, inside the locker room, even though so many guys have come out supporting Carson, um, inside the locker room that this last eight to six games of the year – a lot of the guys just started to not believe in what Carson Wentz was, whether that was leadership ability, whether that was on-field play. Um, it was something that was building. Um, I mean, you mentioned Frank Reich, a guy who had nothing but positive to say about Frank Reich, um, about Carson Wentz and the upbringing to coming here. 
And it just seems like every single time he had to talk about Carson since that about week eight realm, it got a little bit, it got a little bit less praise, a little bit less, a little bit less, and just kept going. It, like Frank Reich's not a guy that's going to bash someone in the media. So you're not going to look for the, the haymaker comment for him to make. He's not a Mike Tomlin um, who's going to like go out and just give this very candid statement like that. But if you read between the lines, it was just a marriage that was heading to divorce. It, it just was heading that way. Um, I, I do know for a fact they were willing to cut him if there wasn't a market for him. They realized pretty soon into the, op- the where the trade discussions were able to be started um, that that wasn't going to be necessary. Um, they, they had multiple teams calling. Um, I know a team that called that didn't make an offer, but did call before landing Russell Wilson was Denver. Um, they made a call about Carson, just seeing where the realm of price was. Um, they, they were looking more for like a day three pick send um, buy on him cheap. Um, obviously that's not where Carson ended up going for. Um, I know for a fact, Pittsburgh called and Pittsburgh called around the league a lot too. Um, I don't think they were as desperate as a Washington, um, but they were calling around for veteran guys um, to get into that quarterback room. Carson was a guy they called about um, Washington, obviously from the beginning, just felt like the most heavy um, interest into Carson Wentz. And the other team that I have confirmed that had made calls about him was Tampa. Um, Tampa did make calls because there was a little bit of, disbelief of if Tom Brady was coming back or not. Um, I think the Tom Brady, if he was going to come back um, rumor kind of kept them from making an actual offer. Um, but Tampa did call and wanted to see what the price was and just kind of hear about it here and there. So I think what Nate kind of said about how Washington was in a very desperate spot helped the price get where it was. But I mean, that's four teams right there that made calls that Indianapolis was able to use to leverage um, getting that price where they needed to get it. Um, so I think they they realized early on they didn't have to cut him, but they were willing. Oh, yeah. That's the thing is that people want to make this a big conversation about like, what's the upgrade? What's the upgrade? That that was never the conversation. Like what they're doing now, looking at who the next quarterback is going to be, that is the second conversation. The first one was, that they didn't believe in Carson Wentz. And it was building there during the year. There were people, I remember just talking to some people the week of the Jaguars game. And I started to think like, they may not believe in this guy. At least they wanted to see something they hadn't seen yet. And it was, they felt like the opportunities were there. They had a chance for Carson to get a game-winning drive against the Raiders, didn't happen. Chance to come back against the Jaguars by two scores, but against a terrible Jaguars team, like the one game they needed him to go win and, and it, it just boils over and like all these concerns just kind of kept compounding. And, and you're right. Frank Reich was little by little each week kept saying like a little bit more of, we need our quarterback to win a game. We need our dynamic pass game back. Like he never wanted it to become this run centric type of thing. But what coaches always show you is what they think of a player based on how they use them. And when they started to go more and more run heavy, people thought that's because Jonathan Taylor's that good. Like they've known Jonathan Taylor's good since last year, since the draft. And, but they, they just lost some trust in what Carson Wentz was able to do and how he was able to operate. And the moment I always go back to is the Patriots game where they came out in that game and and Bill Belichick, we know what he's going to do. He's going to try and take away what you can do. So he stacks the box. They threw it three straight passes. And I think they completed one, but it was a three and out and Carson just sailed it over Michael Pittman's head. And they realized like, we can't call basic plays if he can't hit a wide open fade route. Like it's just going to waste everything else we do. So we're going to go back to what we know will not completely 
derail us, which was Jonathan Taylor in the run game. The very next drive, they went nine plays, all nine rushes, and they scored a touchdown. And Carson attempted 12 passes that entire game, so nine after the first drive. And that was just kind of the setup of, like, we're not really trusting this guy, and he's got to earn it back, and he never earned it back. I I kind of first guessed it at, at first. As soon as the season ended, I wasn't on fully of moving him, but – you know, we we sat here with with Rashad and with Destin, and I said like you you got to move him. And, and there were the questions, of course, like what what is your upgrade? What is your plan? And I was just from what I heard from from Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, and how the tone of their voice was. I just in my mind, I just said it's not about finding an upgrade. They do not have confidence in this guy, and when you don't have confidence in something you just need to get off of it. And like what Nate said, that was the first conversation. It was never about finding an upgrade. They'll do that later in the next month when, when this uh, period starts a free agency. And obviously they're working through the way right now, but it just never felt like he was coming back from, from the vibe I got. And from someone that I was told, the locker room never embraced Carson Wentz the way they embraced Phillip Rivers. That was just it. <laughs> I was told that like three weeks ago. I was like, wow. Uh, Phillip Rivers was a leader. He was interactive with everyone. He was, <laughs> he invited people to his house. He played checkers, board games, all this stuff. And that was just not the vibe from Carson Wentz. And the master of the dang nabbit. Um, the dang nabbit. I mean, I, I think that's what it comes down to. Carson just couldn't say dang nabbit with enough conviction. Right. Um, so he lost. So he lost the locker room. I mean, it's it's a hard word to say. You have to really sell it. Wait, wasn't it that gummit? I mean, he he used he used a lot of them. But, he used uh, a lot of them. Hey, he did not cuss. That that's how you know he is a good father. He does not cuss in front of the kids. Um, and he but, built that personality for like 15 years in the league. So they knew it was authentic real. and not faked. Like that's Carson was in a tough spot because he was coming from on that level because he's coming from a place where his reputation was he was not that guy. People didn't believe in him. So now he's trying to create what hasn't been there and sell people on it. And he's trying to do it through COVID protocols with questions about the vaccine, doing it through a mask when he is a pretty introverted and, you know, just a quieter guy grew up in small town, North Dakota. Like I, a lot of things with Carson, it's not like he was, I, I don't think he's a bad guy. It's just like, you have to be a certain personality to play quarterback. It just is a totally different position than everything else. If he was that same talent and he played guard and he just wanted to have, you know, a, a small circle of friends and talk to them. And maybe he doesn't talk to the defense. Like that would, that could That's work fine. well, but it cannot work at quarterback. The only way it can work at quarterback is if you play super, 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 super well, which he did when he came into the league. That's why he didn't hear it like those first couple of years because he plays so well. The guys are like, well, maybe we're not his best friend, but like, what's it matter? He's out there dominating and playing well, and we believe in him because of his play. But like, you, I always think it's a two pronged thing at quarterback. You either have the personality or you have the play, or you ideally have both. Jacoby Brissett had the personality, and eventually the lack of play caught up to him. Phillip had mixes of both. Carson didn't have enough of either by the end of it. And it just, it, it that's when you don't know what to believe. And if you can't believe in the play, you can't believe in the personality and the leadership, you start to wonder, is this the guy? And if you have those fears and trepidations, you have what happened in Jacksonville, which is you go down and people don't believe they're coming back. 
and it just gets worse and you don't come back. Yeah. I, th- I think this whole situation was like, how did he take the coaching? They would go over things and he just didn't do it. Uh, he would forget the code, not really forget, but was he walking around with a, I'm bigger than, than coaching. Was he walking around with that type of ego, that type of personality? I don't need to be told a thing. I don't need to be corrected or anything. I'm going to do my way or the highway. That's, that's the vibe that that came out of all of this. And it and it's unfortunate because through hard knocks, you saw how genuine of a good guy Carson is. He he cares. He is a good guy, has a great family, but like like Nate pointed to, you know, grew up, you know, he he was with himself. He he hunted, he hunted with just him, his dad, and that was just them. He was never going out, he was never the biggest party guy at North Dakota State. I don't, I mean, I don't know if there's big old parties at North Dakota State, but I I, I don't and know. Bisons know how to get Bi- down, Michael. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, when it comes down to it, I mean people might say Carson is going to a rough situation because Washington's a little bit of a disgruntled place, but I mean, there's not another place he could have went that he would get a full revenge tour next year. He's going to get to come to Indianapolis. He's going to get to go to Philadelphia. He's going to get to play Philadelphia twice. Um, I mean, honestly, it's not like this is a terrible situation for him. He didn't want to get traded. He made that very clear to the front office, to the players. Um, He wanted to stay. Um, it ultimately came down to they didn't care um, what he wanted um, and they were going to move on anyway. So I'm really curious to see how next year plays out. I'm never a guy that's going to just root against a player um, just to root against them um, unless your name is Tom Brady um, and that's just because of personal heart reasons. Um, But, I mean, I hope Carson the best in Washington. I hope the revenge tour does not go successful in Indianapolis. Um, but he's going to have the chance to have a pretty fun narrative next year. So, I mean, I feel like in the end, he kind of gets a favor done to him where he gets to go, but that's in my opinion. But Carson, uh, you are a commander. Um, the video they posted today um, where you said, get ready to command maybe the most cringy video I've ever watched in my entire life, but um, enjoy Washington, man. Enjoy Washington. Yeah, man. I mean, Hey, Best of luck to him. He's off the team now. We got picks. We don't got to pay any money, pay any cap or anything. So, guys, let's get into some guys that we do have to pay. Uh, Starting with everyone's favorite, clearly. Mo Cox is back on a three-year deal, $18 million. Money-wise, was probably a little bit higher than what he's actually worth. So, Michael, but, when, it, when it broke, were you mad? Were you sad? Like, give, give, me, give me the picture here. As, a Mo okay. Alley, as, as the captain of the Mo Cox hate club that you are, right. I'm just really curious how you reacted okay. here. So, here, here's how I reacted. So, indifferent? I mean, little, I, I mean... Okay. We, we kind of knew he was going to come back. Uh, the money, $18 million, I probably would have went three for 12. But if if that's how they value him uh, as a blocker, okay. I think you can pay cheaper for a blocker, but uh, he's back. Um, he, he was on TMZ. Of, of all people, Mo Holly Cox was on TMZ. Uh, he, Is it just me or are we shocked that TMZ knew who he was? I mean, I'm not, <laughs> try, I'm not trying to take shots at Mo Holly Cox, but these TMZ reporters are 
like they're just very like celebrity poised. So like I'm what just if, saying, when you were walking around the street, how did this person look at this guy and say, "Oh, that's Colts tight end Mo Ali Cox." And what what if Mo Ali Cox was just walking down the street and then he saw a couple of guys in TMZ vests? He's like, "Hey guys, I want to do an interview with you," and had to spend like ten minutes confirming who he was and everything. <laughs> like they might not know who Mo Ali Cox is specifically, but you see that guy walking by and you're like, mm, "Yeah, he probably plays football." I mean, that guy is a freaking giant. Yeah, that, this is true. I mean, hey, VCU, great. Maybe they were a VCU fan. Maybe. March Madness is here, okay? Just saying. But, I mean, I like Molly Cox. I, I said this um, before the year. If Jack Doyle was retiring, which is where it looked like it was going, I don't think you could let Molly Cox walk because those were two very good blocking tight ends. Um, Kyle Granson was a better blocker than probably people give him credit for, but that's not what he's here to do. Um, so you needed to have a guy in the locker room to do that. But while Cox is loved in the locker room, I still think he offers you enough sporadic passing plays to make it worth it as well. Um, so I think it was the right move bringing Mo back. Drops, missed routes, not running the right routes, not knowing the plays. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, they were – they just weren't in a great spot. I mean, Mo Ali Cox was a free agent. Jack Doyle retires. Like, and yeah, you, like you mentioned, like Kylan Granson, he, they have hopes for him, but he had a tough rookie year. Like he admitted he did not feel ready. It was, it was a tough year to be a rookie um, in his spot. Tight end is just such a long developing position, like physically, mentally. So Mo Ali was a guy they know has that stuff. Now there's certainly, you know, there's certainly, more that they want out of him, certainly as a receiver. That has not come together. They keep trying it. Um, they want it to be more. But, like, they know that, like, he knows the offense and he's going to um, block pretty well. And, yes, they I think they were willing to overpay for some things like that. Like, at some point, you're overpaying because, like, you know what you're getting here rather than trying to go to the market and get something else. Because if they're going to go to the market and get other guys who maybe were more developed receivers, again, their quarterback right now is Sam Ellinger. Like this is not a situation a lot of guys want to come to and try and build their um, reputation in order to get more money. Like today, a guy that I thought was was would have been a grand slam for them uh, was O.J. Howard, who ended up signing with the Bills. He signed a one-year deal for $5 million because he for wants chips. to earn another deal. For crumbs, Nate. Yeah. They, got, they got him for three and a half. The incentives get him to five. Incentives, right. And why, why did he sign with the Bills, though? Because of Josh Allen. Because he wants, he knows like if I have a big year with Josh Allen, we're, we're going to go to the playoffs. If he, if they lose in like the AFC Championship game and he has 700 yards, which would be a career high, next year he's going to sign a three-year deal and he's going to blow Mo Alley Cox's deal out of the water. But would he get that coming to Indianapolis if he doesn't know who's going to play the quarterback or what? Like until you're the quarterback, you don't even know what the offense is going to look like. You don't know if it's a dual threat guy. Like there's a big difference between a Marcus Mariota offense and a you know, Jimmy Garoppolo offense, there's just so much uncertainty. And it's kind of, it's the weird spot they've been in where like on, on one hand, they're letting the quarterback market come to them and the prices come down. But what they're losing is the ability to go out and sign guys and attract them to a spot because they don't have a quarterback at the moment. Yeah. Everyone's favorite Moali Cox is back on a three-year $18 million deal. Uh, nothing earth shattering or anything. I mean, he's back. Uh, He'll be out there wasting nearly seven foot tall length. So I guess uh, let's get back to another guy who was impactful for the Colts guys. Taekwon Lewis is back 
on a one-year deal. Correct me if I'm wrong, Destin. Three million dollars. Um, I think that was around what it was. Um, I think he had a, a chance to get up to like four and a half, though, um, with incentives. That like that's complete um, going off of just right random right. thoughts. But uh, so, I mean. I always we, we talked about it a lot this offseason. Um, it felt like two Ray or Lewis were going to get brought back. Maybe it, both end up getting brought up depending on other moves, but it felt like one of them was coming back for sure. Um, Tyquan was having a really good season before he got hurt, man. It's just so sad. I mean, the dude got an interception on the play that he ends his season on, fumbles the ball before the <laughs> um, before he gets hurt, right after getting hurt, and then the Titans score on the next play. I mean, it was just a crazy situation on how he went down. And to add it to my craziness, my wife in, was in labor with our child during that game. I watched him fumble that ball, and then I, the doctor tells us that we're going to start pushing, so I didn't get to watch the rest of the game. Um, it was just a crazy day. And then I find out he t- tears um, – it's not a t- torn ACL exactly. There, there's a, it's a more specific kind of injury, I think. But uh, he's out for the year after having an interception, making a crazy play that could have gave the Colts a chance to go up two and a half, three scores. Um, just a crazy situation. Great guy, has earned his snaps for the Colts. And I, I'm not upset about him getting a prove-it deal here. I got the sense he wanted to come back and – as long as it was going to be a little bit different, you know, they, they decided by the end of last year that they were, you know, Brian Baker, the defensive line coach was in the final year of his deal. And especially once Matt Eberflus was moving on as a head coach, they just wanted to do something different there. There's clearly been a disconnect between the guys they're drafting and the production they're getting out of them on the edges. And so Taekwon's one of those guys. And this is a system I think he'll, he'll like better. I I think all, all edge rushers are going to like this system better with Gus Bradley because it's – it's and with Nate Ollie, the new defensive line coach who came from the Jets, it's considered just a total attacking system. Like they're, they're, they're going to act like they're rushing the passer on all plays. And within that process, they're going to try and stop the run too. So it's, it's definitely more focused on the pass, whereas Eberflus' system was much more, you know – Ends had to stop the run first and foremost to get them to third down and then rush the passer. So Taekwon Lewis, I mean, he's a guy that like when he's in the right situation at Ohio State, two, three years there, he had like seven sacks each season. He was always playing opposite of a Bosa. Um, so they don't have that now, but they do have Yannick Ngakwe and they have Quiddy Pay that they believe in and they hope has, you know, has some more potential to him. So if they can get this together and and in, in, in a better situation and in a scheme that fits him, then I, you know, they might as well see what's going to happen. That's what a, that's what a one-year prove-it deal is. And they clearly like him or they wouldn't be trying to bring him back. Taekwon Lewis back, everybody. Zaire Franklin is another guy that is back with the Colts. My understanding is it's a three-year deal, right? Um, the money-wise, what was it? I think 12, I want to say, no? Sounds about right. I Sounds have. Right. Uh, so I'm not gonna lie. I never saw the details today. Um, I was I was at a family function all day, but I, I did see the Zaire Franklin resign come through my um, notifications. Okay. Okay. So three years, twelve million dollars. Special teams captain, your best special teams player, a a streaky linebacker who has shown some good stuff. Uh, when he does get on the field, you know he made some big plays uh, in the run game. Made some plays in that Tampa Bay game. He was all over the field early in, in that game. So, you know, you get your special teamer back. You get a voice in the locker room, a leader in the locker room. 
it was a no-brainer signing to me. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's it's three years, ten million for Zaire. Um, there are some per-game bonuses and other stuff that can get him higher than that. But yeah, I mean, it's just a guy. He was he's he's one of their captains. He's like one of their special teams leaders. He doesn't jump off the the screen the same way um, when you're watching the game, but he's he's important that way in the locker room. He was very key for their some of their social justice efforts, and so they know what they've got in him. And um, and they were. Again, you're seeing what you're seeing a lot here is they're bringing back their own guys on outs, Mo Alley Cox. He had to pay up for a little bit because of the spot they're in, but the other guys are pretty like just just basic, you know, bargain signings. But they're guys they know, and they have a lot of positions that they have to fill, and they're trying to fill some of these cheaply and safely. Like these are very safe moves so that they have the chance to go out there and, and swing a couple times without feeling like they've got all these holes all over the roster they have to fill. And so, like, Yannick Ngakwe ended up being a swing they felt like they could take after they signed, like, four or five guys that they know. We, we at least know you can do this role. We're going to bring you. We're going to put you there. We're going to keep more of our culture together so we can kind of take a swing on a guy that, that we haven't had here before. Another one that we haven't talked about yet, Matt Pryor, back one-year deal. Now, the one-year deal is surprising. To me, I thought for a guy like Matt Pryor, who can play all the spots on the offensive line, well, I don't know about center, but you know he can play both guards and both tackle spots. I'm surprised that it was a one-year deal. I probably would have done three, uh, probably about the same as Mo Ali Cox because a guy who can plug and play at each spot, I think that's worth a three-year, $18 million deal. Uh, But he is back nonetheless with a possible chance of starting at left tackle as of right now we don't know where the team is going at left tackle yet but matt Pryor is back on a surprising one-year deal on my part are, are is that the same way y'all feel are y'all surprised that it was a one-year deal well i i could see the colts thinking the way you are where they they probably did want a three-year deal with him but i think he wanted a one-year deal because of what you just mentioned he has a chance to step in as the left tackle. And if you step in and you actually prove you can be a starting left tackle in this league, I mean, that's where the money is. And that's where like next year he could sign. The example I'll give is a guy that they should have signed here last year. Sorry to op- open up an old wound, but Charles Leno who signed for one year and $4 million in Washington, like that is a nothing deal, but he played well there. And he ended up, it's a market where it's hard to find that he just signed re-upped with them for three years and 37 million. Like that's, I mean, that's a high bar for a guy like Matt Pryor, but, why not shoot your shot? You know, like there's always going to be a need for swing tackles. So I think he feels like he can go back and and get that next year, but you only have, you may only have one shot right now to potentially be a starting left tackle. if They can't find another one and there's not a whole lot of them out there. So I don't blame him at all for kind of betting on himself in the situation. Yeah. I mean, that's just a case where Matt Pryor has a good enough agent. I mean, if, if he had an agent that uh, wasn't good at what he did, maybe we would have got a multi-year deal out of him and he, um, got a little bit uh, underpaid for that stretch. But, but like Nate said, if he comes in and can sex successfully step in and be that left tackle for the Colts, I mean, that's that's big money. It's, it's more than this one-year deal he's going to get. And um, they probably tried to offer him a three-year deal, maybe a little bit more per year to get that happen. But it just would have been a little bit of malpractice on his agent's part um, if he didn't get him a one-year deal. And the Colts were going to bring him back. He, he was too successful last year to not at least try to give him a chance here. Um, so the prior deal made all sense in the world for the Colts. 
Plus you think about like this team keeps bringing back guys that play well here. And so he knows like this team needs a left tackle. If I show them I'm that, like then he has all the leverage in the world to say like, give me a three-year deal now. <laughs> you know, you just have to pay up for it and make me the left tackle. And they, they, they probably will if he actually can do that. Yeah, Matt Pryor back again, once again, showing out for TCU. Keep playing hard. Keep going. Okay, let's get that money like our guy Joseph No Boom did. Let's go get that money, Matt. All right, now, talking about money, there was a money move that was made today between the Indianapolis Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders. Guys, Yannick Ngakwe is going to the Indianapolis Colts Rocky Sin is going to the Las Vegas Raiders. I was shocked when this deal came in because anytime you're dealing for a premium pass rusher, you're probably going to give up some, some picks, right? We gave up a young corner who we were going to have to pay very, really soon. And we gave up no picks, no picks, nothing. Yada, nada. Nothing. I love it. I will. You go at pass, pass rusher. You can go find a corner as much. Well. First off, thank you, Rockison, for battling your heart out here. You had a great year. Uh, thank you for your services. Enjoy Las Vegas and don't drink and drive. So, Nate, let me start with you on this one, man. Yannick and Gakwe coming to Indianapolis. What's it mean for Indy? Yeah, this. You know, what's kind of funny is I had heard yesterday that the Raiders had called the Colts about something and you're trying to piece together what it would be. And your, your mind goes to maybe it's Derek Carr. Maybe it's, I don't know. I never would have thought it was Yannick Ngakwe until, you know, then you realize they're in on Chandler Jones and it kind of makes some sense from their point of view, because Yannick is a very, he's a very specific kind of pass rusher. Like he is, he's an undersized, like six two, two forty five 245 pound guy who has, it's a reason why he's played on five teams and, like he's, he was a captain last year for the Raiders. So I don't think it's like he doesn't fit culturally so much as he doesn't fit schematically because he's small, but he fits Gus Bradley's defense. This is the third time he's going to be in a Gus Bradley defense that Leo spot where he just rushes wide nine. He's just every down is like third and 10 to him. And they, they compensate it with the rest of their defense with playing at safety in the box and all the other things they do. So the Colts knew like that he fit them way better than he fit the Raiders. So I'm sure they were knocking on that door, but at the time it's like the Raiders aren't just going to give away a pass rusher until they got another one. And so the Colts kind of, they kind of hedged their bets well, cause they were in on Chandler Jones. They were one of, I think four or five teams um, according to USA today, that was in on him, but they probably, they had this, they had this set up pretty nicely where they realized like, if we don't get Chandler, we can get Ngakwe. And I think it's, I think it's a great move because if you look at Gus Bradley's defenses, the ones that have the Seattle style, the ones that have done really well have that Leo spot down pat with a guy proven at it. The ones that haven't are the ones that are either putting a guy who's too old or too young in that spot. And then if you don't get the pass rush out of that spot that's built for pass rush, kind of everything else falls apart. So like Rocky Sin wasn't going to matter. No offense to Rocky Sin, but he wasn't going to matter on a defense that didn't have the Leo spot figured out. And they've got these young ends. So it's like they – they were going to gamble a lot on second-year players to do that right away. Why not just go get a guy who who has done that and is available, and they somehow find a way to make him available? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm going to speak about it for the Rock side a little bit more. From And, Nate, this is your first year um, on the Indy beat. Um, so, I mean, this might not be something you 
um, have seen a lot yet. But, I mean, over the years, there is not a player that Chris Ballard has talked about unprompted as much as Rocky Sin. Chris Ballard has been open about how much he loves Rocky Sin. So when I saw we traded for Yannick, I was reading the tweet still, and then I saw Rocky Sin's name. I had to double-check that Ian Rappaport was the actual Ian Rappaport, and it wasn't some fake checkmark guy. Um, because I was, I was just shocked. I mean – Give me the edge rusher over the corner every day of the week. Like, it's this is not a sense of I think the Colts lost the trade because I'm shocked. It's straight up just more. I have just seen and heard how much Ballard loves Rocky Sin. So the fact that he traded him away today almost makes me think like the whole roster should just know that anybody can get moved. Cause I really don't know if there's another guy Ballard has loved more than Rocky Sin, even if he's not the most talented guy on the field. Now, Rock battled back from a lot of early career downs, um, found a way to have a career year, and they sell high on him um, right after said year. So I wish him nothing but the best. But, I mean, Yannick was a guy we really wanted last year. He ended up getting a pretty friendly deal with the Raiders. We take on that contract for one year. I'm hoping the extension is in the book semi-soon um, just because I don't want to let that guy hit the market if he gets another 10-sack season on us um, with us this year. And then he's asking north of $18 million. I'm hoping that Ballard makes that price. But we, we needed a pass rusher. And all I'm envisioning now is in the obvious pass debt rushing downs this next year, if I see a front four of Yannick, Dio, Buckner, and Pay, that, that's going to be fun. Yeah, and that's where the, the extension thing is, is interesting. I don't sense that that's what they're looking at right now. And uh, I'm going to be interested. We'll talk to Yannick here in the next couple of days, and I'm curious where he is on that. Like, does he want to make this his home? Because he's on his fifth team. Like, at some point, that seems to get tiring. But for them, I think like it's, they're in a nice spot to, to play this year by year. Like, you may end up paying more. But what they want to do is they want to know what they have in Dio, Adengbo, and Quiddy Pay before they really – move in one direction or the other like that they're, they're putting them into a slightly different scheme a guy like dio dangbo barely played last year played like 25 percent of snaps quitty pays getting m- kind of made into more of a pass rusher like a year from now they will have a very good feel of what those two are and if they're not there then they can they could franchise tag yannick they could they could work out an extension which he is probably is going to be more expensive then than to do it now but I think it's a I think it's a decent kind of way to go about it. Whereas like they could extend Yannick right now, but like they, they may end up covering up, you know, either Dio or Quiddy Pay, who they believe so much in going into the draft, but just where guys are kind of raw. I I'm if I was the Colts, I, I would not let Yannick get to training camp without an extension. Uh that that that's just me. Or take care of it sometime during the preseason. Uh lock up your premier pass rush. That that's how I that, that's how I look at it. Get the pass rush down. Two positions in football win championships, and that's quarterback and that's pass rush. I have no problem with giving up the corner. Go get your pass rush, Destin. You know me. I'm huge defense guy. Now I have a dang pass rush to be happy about, and I am so happy about it because now I don't have to look at Al Quadin Muhammad as my lead guy off the edge anymore. So. Speaking of some type of, you know, holes on the team, what things could be addressed, guys, let's move forward here to, you know, other spots on the roster that could look to be filled in the coming days, whether if that's corner, safety, dead, well, definitely more corner now, 
corner, safety depth, uh, maybe some more defensive line depth, receivers, tight end, left tackle. Where are we thinking on this? Let's I guess we could start with receiver. Let's go with the popular one, receiver. Nate, where are we looking at? Uh, you know, potential fits, who could be coming in, you know, Deshaun Watson is really kind of holding all of these negotiations up right now. So where where would we be looking at with, with receiver? Yeah, it's unfortunate that I have to keep saying it goes, it depends on the quarterback because it does. I mean, stylistically it does. And as far as like what they can convince guys to do, like if they're able to come out of this with like a, you know, for example, like that's why Deshaun keeps holding it up. If Deshaun Watson goes to Atlanta, I think Matt Ryan is the top target for the Colts. And if you have a Matt Ryan on your team, why not go get Julio Jones, who he's played with before, and like just just put this in a hyperspeed, you know. Whereas like it may be different if it's if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, it's different if it's Marcus Mariota a little bit. Um yeah, I, I generically, I mean, a, a guy that I thought two guys I thought could could kind of fit here, Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling for very different reasons. MVS is the speed guy, the play-action deep shot guy that led the league in yards uh, per catch two years ago. And then Juju is, is you know, he's a short area type of guy who's a good route runner, can work outside, inside, but the kind of middle of the field stuff they have not had in recent years. And yet they may get him undervalued because he's just not produced recently because he's not really had quarterback play around him. So they're going to be bargain shopping like that. And what they got to get to is a point where like those guys want to be here. Like obviously Julio Jones probably would love to play with Matt Ryan again. Like you, you can probably get him a little cheaper than you otherwise would like Julio Jones or uh, like uh, Juju Smith Schuster may love to play with like a Jimmy Garoppolo who gets the ball out quick and you can create yak with him. Neither guy is probably going to sign for, to play with Sam Ellinger, but the luckily for the Colts is it's kind of frozen in other places too. A lot of teams are in this spot where they don't know who their quarterback is. Like the saints can't sign anybody until they do this either. So they've, they've just got to be able to act quickly and get these ducks in a row for like when they get the quarterback, like figure out the fits and go after them. Yeah. I mean, the Julio Jones thing is interesting because it all just comes down to is Julio interested in reuniting with Matt Ryan and what's that relationship like at the end from the end of the Atlanta years, maybe Julio has a little bit of a spite to Tennessee right now who just released him today a year after trading him. Maybe that was his decision. Maybe they were giving up on him already. Who knows the the details there. Um, Another name I think is interesting to watch if the quarterback situation gets figured out in the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, Allen Robinson's a guy that the Colts have been interested in in multiple years um, that he's hit the market. Um, the last the last time he hit the market, last year that he was franchise tagged, and there was little speculation on whether he hits the market or not. The Colts had interest. Um, I think the quarterback would matter a lot to him, um, which is why I think he might be one of the ones waiting to see where Watson goes, see where all these other guys get traded to, and then make his decision. Um, because, I mean, Last year, he was kind of held hostage in Chicago um, by the franchise tag, um, the evil franchise tag that I hate with a passion. Um, I'm just very curious about him, um, if we're able to get a Matt Ryan, a Jimmy G, um, if that is a more attractive enough quarterback situation with a possible rookie coming in in a year or two as well. I'm just very curious if that's enough to get a guy like Allen Robinson, get a guy like Julio. Um, Juju is another one that could be interesting. I feel like he might be more in for uh, the biggest payday opposed to getting the right situation where he could succeed. Um, so we'll see where Juju ends up as for what as – 
as well. But there are guys on the market that are still interesting. I'm a guy that I think is a little bit of a sleeper um, that I like is Traquan Smith, um, who is on the who was on the Saints this past year. Really quick kind of guy, able to play on the outside or the inside. Um, I think he could offer some dynamic play style and a guy who probably hasn't played his best football yet at 26. Um, so maybe this is the contract where he plays his best football. That's usually the realm of guys that Ballard likes to go for. Um, a guy who hasn't hit his ceiling yet, a guy who can play it on the contract we're giving him. Um, so that's a guy to watch as well. I'm going to side with you. When it comes to Juju Smith-Schuster, I would like to pair him back up with, with Michael Pittman, bring back, uh, you know, the, the UFC, the UFC, USC brotherhood. Uh, I, I, I like Juju, you know, I, I think all the other stuff, you know, the distractions and all that stuff kind of takes away from what he truly does on the field. You know, that underneath play, he's good at it. Okay. And like what, what Nate said earlier, he'll get yak for you. He will, Michael Pittman can take it off the top. Another guy that I think could possibly help is not, necessarily mvs but keelan cole is a guy that i think can be play that exact same role play action deep take the top off go go deep matt michael Pittman jr take over in the middle and then juju smith schuster come underneath i think that would be really good uh those are the two guys that i'm really highlighting right now i'm kind of backing off of Allen robinson you know i'll let his market drive and let other uh franchises go bid on him I'll work underneath and get me a sneaky Keelan Cole, Juju Smith-Schuster contract. Uh, let's move on here to tight ends, okay? A couple have come off the board. Nate said earlier, O.J. Howard is now in Buffalo. Um, uh, of course, Mike Gesicki got franchise tagged and all that stuff. So Tyler Conklin went to the Jets earlier today. C.J. Uzoma went to the Jets earlier in free agency. So when we look at the list that is available, I mean, are we interested in Eric Ebron, Colts, reunion that there's no way that's happening uh gerald everett formerly from the seahawks is he an option uh one guy that i am looking at i mean gerald everett is definitely a guy that i like you know he did play some good ball for russell wilson i definitely think he's solid route runner blocker we'll, we'll see on there but another guy hayden hers ricky seals jones I, when it comes to tight end at this point, it's like maybe you just dip in the draft for that guy. Where are you guys at uh, on potential tight end options? Yeah, I think that today didn't go great for the Colts on that. Like a lot of these markets have been frozen, but when OJ Howard signed and I saw Ricky Seals Jones signed with the Giants and um, Tyler Conklin signed, it's like they're, they're just kind of disappearing. But I will say one thing that worked out really nicely for the Colts was the Browns releasing Austin Hooper. Cause if you look at Jack Doyle, like the most similar player out there to Jack Doyle is Austin Hooper. Like he is a Stanford grad. Who's so smart learning an offense. So tough as a run blocker, like he's going to be your lead blocker at the tight end position. And yet he's probably a little bit better of a receiver at this point, a little younger. Um, he's not a superstar at that. I think Matt Ryan in the dome made him look a little better than his with his production when he was a pro bowler a couple of years ago, but he's still a, he's still a productive player um, that can kind of settle in and, and move the chains. He can do all the things that Jack Doyle had done. And so that's a guy that I, and I even think at this point, since he was, he was designated a post June one cut, like it's not going to factor into the compact formula, which Chris Ballard's very much about. I would just go ahead and sign him and use the drafts more for, 
wide receivers this year because the if you actually look at like the return on investment, receivers hit much quicker than tight ends do out of the draft. Like there, it's less of a physically developed position. It's less of a mental strain on them. Um, it's it's just harder to get tight ends that way. There are some in the draft I like too uh, for tight end, but they're more like longer term projections. I go out there and get Austin Hooper if they can get him and just do what you were doing with Jack Doyle. So another guy to possibly lead the Matt Ryan recruiting pitch, huh? See, again, exactly. this, this all comes back to how highly do these guys feel about Matt Ryan at the end of that tenure? Um, did they leave because of a Matt Ryan? Did they leave because of the situation? Everyone that I've talked to that loves Matt Ryan in the locker room. I just can't imagine he has those negative effects on those guys. Um, so, I mean, if he's able to get him here, get him here. I still think a veteran is what you need to go for at tight end. So you can go rookie receivers, let Kylan Granson progress a little bit. Like Nate just said, very few rookie tight ends succeed in the NFL in year one. I mean, Kyle Pitts was a generational tight end prospect. I, I want to say he either didn't score a touchdown or only scored a touchdown this past year. So, he I mean, scored one and it was in London. Because the joke was he's yet to score a touchdown in the United States. Yeah, so see, the London one doesn't count. So uh, um, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Shout out Seb, um, our writer for the Blue Stable, um, representing across the across the pond, how uh, some of the people there in the UK say. But uh, I just think you have to go a veteran. I mean, if it's Austin Hooper because it doesn't affect the comp pick solution, go right ahead because the Colts are going to have some uh, – chances here for this comp picks i mean yannick's gonna come in not affecting it because it was via trade um eric fisher is gonna sign elsewhere and if he starts an entire year probably could end up getting you a fifth round pick in in return similar to what we saw to nico autry um give us this past year from going to tennessee uh, makes me want to puke saying that out loud um and there are some other guys that are hitting the market that we have no idea where they're going to go i mean kamoko Toure is a free agent um he had a pretty solid year if you look at his production per snap um where he goes next year he could have a pretty big role if he goes elsewhere um alquadim muhammad is going to go to the bears and probably be their leading snap getter at the edge rusher position because you know, we, we know how Eberflus puts him out there. Um, so I mean, he could get us some comp picks. I mean, the Colts are going to have a chance to win that comp pick area. So I am curious to see if now that they've seen some of these deals get done, if they're going to try to be a little bit more passive in that route, try to go for the comp picks, get the guys they can that are after that June 1st designation, like you're talking about with an Austin Hooper. Um, and some other guys are going to get cut. I mean, the league year has started. You have to get in that cap realm um, in check. The cuts are not over. Well, that's why, again, I think they're waiting it's like they, a guy like Austin Hooper, if they had gone out day one and signed CJ Zoma or someone like that and Mo Ali Cox, they don't have room for Austin Hooper. Like they're, they realize there are some benefits to being patient. Yes, the fans get restless. Like they're, they're very confident how they do this, though. They're not going to get rattled by that stuff. They don't do it for the headlines. They just really don't. Like it, it, it gets frustrating how on brand they are sometimes, but they, they really had a plan that way to, benefit by patience. And I think they're seeing some benefits to it on the quarterback level. They're seeing some on the guys that are getting cut and they hope that if their quarterback thing works out, that they can then scoop up the value where these guys are looking for homes and opportunity. The Colts have that, like there are, there are passes to be caught in this offense. And if you have a quarterback they believe in and it's a dome team and it's a Jonathan Taylor offense and it's Michael Pittman taking coverage and it's Frank Reich's playbook, like they want to use all their advantages to kind of get better deals 
but Chris Ballard says all the time, it's not about the top free agents. It's about the right free agents. And that has to do with price. And we'll see if it works because again, you can see the other side of this. If the quarterback thing doesn't work out or they wait too long, they may miss out on some of these guys. I mean, someone else could sign Austin Hooper and then, then you may be pigeonholed in the draft. So they got to, they got to nail this just right. So when we're talking quarterback, now we're moving on to quarterback here a little bit. Uh, options. This is going to be the juicy conversation. Everybody wants to think about, they want to hear it all with the quarterbacks and everything. Uh, I want to first address Baker Mayfield. Okay. Uh, Nate Destin, is he a realistic option uh, for the Colts? Are the Colts looking at him as a realistic option? What, what's the vibe going on there? Um, I mean, I don't want to shoot it in the foot. Like, I'm not trying to say that there's zero chance Baker Mayfield's the quarterback for the Colts because if I'm being 100% honest with you, I don't know if I could give any quarterback in the league a 0% chance at this point. Uh, maybe Mahomes and Allen um, and those guys and Herbert and Burrow. But any guy that's in, like, that middle tier, I just don't feel confident enough to put a 0% chance on anybody. Um, but I will say that my source close to the team – told me even today that they've heard a lot of teams inside the building. There are a lot of quarterbacks inside the building. They've heard Matt Ryan's name. They've heard Jimmy G's name. They've heard Mariota. They've heard Winston's name. They've heard some of these rookie quarterbacks they like's names having to start year one even. They have not heard – my guy has not personally heard the name Baker Mayfield be thrown around inside the building yet. Um, Baker Mayfield wants Indianapolis. That's what's being thrown out there personally from what I'm putting together and adding up, I think this might be a situation where Baker may want the Colts more than the Colts want Baker. Um, and I could be wrong in the end and maybe they're just kind of being passive and waiting on that and uh, waiting and seeing, and it's a new situation. So maybe they're just being quiet on it. But if I had to put my personal opinion in it right here, right now, from what I've been told from sources, I do not think Baker Mayfield will be the Colts quarterback week one. Well, I do know that there are other teams that are feeling like they think there is interest between the Colts and Baker Mayfield. And this time of year, that's what you're trying to sort through is, is, is that, is that real? Or is that kind of what they want to put out there? Because right now they're trying, like if they don't get Matt Ryan, the Colts don't get Matt Ryan. If Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy, they want that price to fall. But the, so they have to have leverage for that. So if it looks like, Hey, we can just go get Baker Mayfield, like, that helps them out. So some of that can be hard to read. I, you know, with Baker, I can, I do think he offers some things that Chris Ballard would like. He loves physically tough players and say what you want about Baker, but like he's played through everything. And, and honestly, that was a trade of Carson's too, is why they like to get him physically tough. Um, the other thing too, is, is that, you know, John Dorsey who drafted Baker Mayfield is a close friend of Chris Ballard's. So I'm sure they're talking about him now that they know that Baker's available. Um, but there's the other side of the coin, which is all the reasons that Cleveland's moving off of Baker are these concerns about, is he mature enough in the building? Is he enough of a leader? Is he kind of toxic energy? It's all these things that they just went through with Carson on a totally different level. It's almost like all the things that if Carson was too much of the introvert and like not connecting enough with people, sometimes it's like Baker's a little bit too much for some people. Like he's, you're just seeing it play out on social media. I'm not saying that, that, that he can't get it right in another situation, but it's certainly risky because if they were to go after Baker, I always think about like, if these things don't hit right away, 
kind of what what's their out or what's their explanation with Baker. I don't think you have one because it's yet again, another, you know, burned out top five pick that another team moved off of for locker room issues you thought would come here and be different. And then if it's not, you start to look like you're just doing the same thing every year. So I don't think they will. I don't think they want to take that risk. Now that doesn't mean that there could be options dry up and they do it because if they don't get Matt Ryan and if Cleveland's definitely moving off of Baker, they may want Jimmy Garoppolo and they may be willing to pay more. And then, and then I don't know, then maybe Baker's more attractive, but no, I definitely don't think he's option a or B and he might not even be option C at this point, but could be wrong, but that's kind of how I see it. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's the Baker Mayfield news for everybody. I mean, I would take him, but, would Cleveland be willing to give him to Indianapolis, a AFC team? And how much would the Colts be willing to give up? Just so many questions right now. Uh, Jimmy G, another guy who I was all the way certain would actually be a Colt today. I thought maybe a trade may have gone down, especially from, from what I was hearing, but apparently more teams are getting back into the Jimmy G fold. Those that don't feel they have the greatest chance with Deshaun Watson are now getting back in the fold. So the price is going up. Uh, Jimmy G, I would say now, even though 24 hours ago, I would have said, yes, he is the quarterback. Now I am saying there's probably zero chance he is going to be the quarterback for, for the Colts right now. Zero? I would I would say zero, dude. Man, like, it went from a... it went from Colts this, Colts that, Colts this, Colts that to Carolina, Cleveland. They're offering this. Like, okay, yeah, in Indy uh, out of it. I don't know if I'd say zero. Um, just because again, the the Colts are in a situation where a lot of these veteran quarterbacks have the Colts as that top spot, like where they want to be. Um, now it's just going to be – now the thing is the 49ers have been waiting because it has just been Indy in on them. Um, and that's just never going to be good for a price realm. I mean, if they would have traded Jimmy to the Colts already, it would have been less than what Carson got. And I just don't think the 49ers want to sell that low on Jimmy Garoppolo. But the reality is they're not going into training camp with this guy on the roster. Um, that's not going to happen because very few quarterback situations are going to be truly – not solved by that realm. Um, and you're not going to see Jimmy traded for big value at training camp. They, they know that they need to get it done now. Um, I think what they're hoping for is Deshaun Watson goes to anyone but the saints um, because the saints had some heavy interest in Jimmy Garoppolo before um, they decided to get pretty deep into Watson. Um, now, I mean, the Brown situation opening up, the Browns could have some interest in Jimmy G. Um, so, I mean, that is some other things that could open up and get a little bit of a bidding going up. I definitely wouldn't say 0% chance he's the quarterback. I don't know if I'd say he's the odds favorite to be the quarterback either. Um, Personally, for me, if I had to put a quarterback as the most likely guy, I would probably still say a free agent just because it's easier to for the Colts to make that happen than a trade. Two, there's two sides to a trade that have to happen. So I think a free agent would probably be the route that I would say is the most likely. Trade-wise, I think Matt Ryan and Jimmy G are the most likely trade guys for the Colts. Um, and then we'll kind of see how it plays out. I definitely wouldn't say the Colts are out on him. I still think he's the most likely answer for them. I think he's the odds on favorite because you think about what's going on here. They've been talking to them for a while. So people are like, well, why haven't they made a move? Well, two reasons they're trying to get the price to drop, but also 
they're waiting out the Deshaun thing because I think they want Matt Ryan. I, that is the one guy that's like clearly better than Jimmy Garoppolo that you could get in a trade if you're Indianapolis. So the odds of the Falcons getting him, you would think right now are one in four, you know, it goes back and forth as to who's in the lead there. If they don't, if the Falcon, if, if Deshaun Watson goes to any of those other three teams, I don't think Atlanta's moving off Matt Ryan. And so if they don't move off Matt Ryan, then who's the next best available? Like we just talked about why Baker Mayfield doesn't fit here very well. And so then you look around and it's either Jimmy Garoppolo or what Marcus Mariota. I mean, it could be, maybe that's their preference. And I do think there's, they're a little bit nervous about the shoulder. So that could lead the shoulder surgery for Jimmy Garoppolo. So that could play into it. But I still think at the end of the day, for all the reasons they moved off Carson, this all started with them identifying that Carson Wentz is not the guy and we need a different person here. Jimmy Garoppolo still answers all of those questions for them. And I still think the price has fallen enough to where they'll be able to get him. Cause at some point with the 49ers are adding some, some guys in free agency, but they're like value deals at this point, they can't spend all their money until he's off the roster. And again, they maybe get sniped by Cleveland on this, but I still think it's, it's more likely that he's the starter than anybody else at this point. I feel like like I've heard a different tone from yesterday to today. Like I was all certain, okay, let's fire up the Jimmy G articles. Let's get all the graphics in. And now all of a sudden, oh, okay. So now we're changing gears here. I just think if like Garoppolo's cap hit, that would be what, 27 million? J- just yeah. about. Now, when I look at Matt Ryan's, cap hit after the restructure how much would he be willing to do obviously got to work with the Colts on that who maximizes this talented roster the most I think it's Matt Ryan I think in the perfect world in a perfect world I would take Matt Ryan because I think with Matt Ryan if you can get some weapons you bolstered the pass rush already you upgraded that quarterback you have a chance to start making some noise you're not complete you're not just a little fish in the pond anymore in the AFC. Now you're becoming a bigger fish with, with these sharks roaming around. Now you got Casey as a shark. Now you're starting to get a little bit bigger. So Matt Ryan, I feel like is the perfect option as an upgrade in a bridge quarterback, get that rookie still to learn under Matt Ryan. And you still maximize this talented roster. I just think it makes too much sense. Uh, for that to happen, and of course, Deshaun Watson has to choose the Falcons for that to happen. If he doesn't, then I do think it kind of goes back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Destin said a free agent. To be honest, I I just don't see it with, with Marcus Mariota. I, I just don't see it. I keep trying to talk myself into it, and Destin knows I can talk myself into some things, but I just can't talk myself into Marcus Mariota. I can't. The Colts won't know more football than me, of course, but I can't do that with Marcus Mariota. Are y'all convinced that if Deshaun Watson picks Atlanta, the Colts should go get Matt Ryan? Yeah, hundred percent. I I think he is the perfect answer right now because I think, so I covered Matthew Stafford when he's in Detroit and for years, every year that the Lions would play the Falcons, we would write a story about how Stafford and Ryan had mirrored each other. Basically they were drafted top five back-to-back years to dome teams, put up all these numbers, didn't win a lot, you know, did, didn't win in the playoffs. Then all of a sudden Matt Ryan won an MVP, went to the Super Bowl, and it looked like he was ahead. 
And he's a couple years older, but last year Stafford was, was the big catch in the trade market. The Colts missed on him or they couldn't get up to him at least. And so he goes out and he wins a Super Bowl because that team went all in on Matt, on Matthew Stafford. I think you can do something similar with Matt Ryan. It's a little harder because he's, he's not quite as naturally talented of an arm and he's 37 now, but a lot of the same things are still there that were there in Stafford. This guy that like tells everybody in the building in the free agent market, like we're in it. And you go out there and you can sign whether it's Julio Jones or Austin Hooper or Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like when they're looking around their options, they can either sign with this team and play in a dome in this offense, Matt Ryan, guy they grew up watching, or they can go sign with Jameis Winston or, you know, or Marcus Mariota if he's starting for the Panthers. Like these situations just are not, are not nearly the same. And I, so I just think that you could push the chips in with Matt Ryan. And yet for all the reasons you said, like he is such a secure person that he is, he's a great bridge too. like, as long as you are able to keep some day two picks or next year's first, you give yourself some chance to get a quarterback who can learn from Matt Ryan. I think it would be the absolute perfect move. And I think that's what they're waiting for is to see, do they have that chance? I mean, and the best part of it is it doesn't just take like the, a good quarterback being in front of a rookie um, either, whether it's they draft one in 2022 or 2023, it's not just that a rookie's being behind a talented quarterback because that doesn't always equal a great mentorship. Uh, Matt Ryan is at the end of his career. He knows that wants to play good football, but he's the type that would have no issue grooming a guy behind him helping the team that gives him the next chance, the best success for the future, which is why I think of the guys available, even if you're paying Matt Ryan a little bit more, is the best opportunity for you in the short and future realm. The Colts are not spending all their cap money. It, does, like, it doesn't matter. We're going to have leftover cap, so why not pay a little bit more for a Matt Ryan who I think gives you more high-level quarterback play than most of these available trade assets for, for the current, even if I think Baker is younger and maybe has – a higher ability than this older Matt Ryan, or maybe a Jimmy G has a better chance, but yeah. I think Matt Ryan, and I think Jimmy G would also be a really good mentor for a young quarterback. He just did it with Trey Lance, but had no problem with it. Maybe he would take coming here as his next audition for his next contract and just kind of has that mindset and knows that's coming. I think Matt Ryan buys you a two-year window where if you miss out on one of the quarterbacks you like in this draft, you can go to next year. Jimmy G, I think is kind of pigeonholing you into having to draft him this year um, opposed to a Matt Ryan, who I think gives you two. Yeah. I think, especially given Jimmy G's injury history, you know, he's probably going to miss some games. You're going to have, you're going to need someone to step in and play uh, in his replacement. And I just think about it. Like after Matt Ryan's restructure that hasn't been finalized yet, of course, if everything goes on, they're going to have to do one. You're almost going to be paying him and Jimmy G the same. And basically who on the Colts has the higher ceiling. It's easily Matt Ryan, easily. And I love me some Jimmy G, but I know what he is and I know what Matt Ryan is. And I, I, in a perfect world, Matt Ryan would be an Indianapolis Colt. I, I, I love the idea, even though I brought it up about a month ago and I was killed for it, Nate. I was killed Wow. The Matt Ryan idea. Now, now he's being talked about as, oh man, now we got to go get him now. Yeah. Now, yeah. now it was, now it was pre restructure on his contract, which technically the restructure isn't even official. Yeah. It's not even um, official be- because the, tra- if he t- fully restructures, the trade can't happen is what I've 
technically heard. So, I mean, it would be a trade and then the restructure would technically come post trade to the new team. But the fact is out there that like Matt Ryan is willing to restructure the contract to help, whether it's the Falcons or the next team. So I think Matt Ryan makes the most sense. Like you guys are saying, um, Jimmy G like Nate's saying probably more likely. So I may switch it to where Jimmy G is slightly above Matt Ryan. I still think a free agent quarterback would be what I would say the most likely scenario is just because it doesn't require another team to accept a trade. If that makes sense, like it doesn't have anything to do with another team answering a solution. I, I know that Mary, the culture are very effect, um, in, in in there with free agents. I mean, Mariota has turned down a job or two um, waiting on this quarterback job because he wants to start again. Jameis Winston's just waiting around, um, and he's a name that has been floated around. I mean, he, these guys want to start. They're not taking the Teddy Bridgewater deal in Miami. They're not taking the Tyrod Taylor deal in New York. They want a chance. Um, so those teams like the Saints, Carolina, um, maybe Cleveland, if they have to move off Baker, like these are the in Indy, these are the teams that are giving them a chance to start next year. So that's what these guys are going to wait on. And the Colts have the, the chance to be patient and I don't blame them. I know fans hate it and fans wake up every morning, hoping there's a quarterback not named Sam Ellinger at the top of the depth chart, but it's going to happen. So real quick, one, one last question before we get out of here, because this is already almost the end of the show, guys. Uh, one last question, because we already know what the domino is that needs to fall before we start getting some real legitimate uh, ideas and answers. When do y'all think Deshaun Watson is making his decision? Me personally right now, sitting here at 1130 at night, I honestly think his, 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 his mind is made up now. Like, he, I think he's going to Atlanta. Uh, from what I've not not from what I've heard or anything, but from what I've seen in past possible deals, when a team like out of nowhere emerges as a possible dark horse, they end up being that favorite. Deshaun called on them on them and they didn't call on Deshaun. Deshaun wants to be there. He grew up there. He has a long year running relationship with the owners of the Atlanta Falcons. So I think he wants to be there. But in y'all's opinion, I want to hear from you guys. Uh, when will he make his decision in your mind and who will it be? I think it's coming soon. I don't think he's as made up in his mind though. Uh, this is, this is a really unique situation because all four teams that are in on him kind of have a different thing that they're offering that you could talk yourself into. I think the Browns have the best roster to win right now around him. I think the Falcons, like you mentioned, that's the hometown team, the stable ownership. Um, the saints are kind of like the most, fun place for a player to live, but also like a very savvy front office. And then the Panthers are just the ones that are like laying it all on the table, like full autonomy and all the cap space in the world. And so I don't know, you could talk yourself into some different ones. I I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical on some of the reasoning for the Falcons. though. I definitely understand his motivation to um, want to look into them, but at the end of the day, he knows what it's like to be on a bad team. And the last time he played, he led the NFL in passing yards, and the Texans went four and twelve. And that Falcons team, if they have to start giving up veterans and picks to get him, that team is going to be brutal. So you have to really trust what they have in the front office, and you're going to give it time. And that is just—he doesn't have a lot of like. This is one chance to get it right, and he needs to go somewhere where he can he can win and feel like he can compete. Like he can't go do this dance in two years. So if I had to guess, I still think Carolina 
is the most likely. It's just the one that's that's laying on the table. They've got cap space and they have some players he can play with. If there's a way to get a deal done that keeps Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore there, like he feels like he can step in and do that. His former quarterbacks coach from Houston is there. Like it just feels like the one where he's like, okay, all things equal. Like it's it's close enough to home. It's it's around where I went to college. But it's totally a guess. I think they're I think four teams have have very pretty even odds, to be honest with you. And one of them's gonna win him over and he's just gonna tell the Texans trade me there. And my guess would be Carolina. Do I have to pick one team? I mean, I, th- I think it's the NFC South. Like, I don't think it'll be Cleveland. Um, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm not signing up to stay in the AFC right now um, with how crazy deep the entire conference is and the arms race that's going on in the AFC West. And I, I don't know why I would sign up to stay in the AFC um, if I was Deshaun Watson. Um, go to the NFC South. You're competing with a aged Brady who th- basically is going to return just about the same roster that – struggled a little bit down the stretch last year. I mean, they're still going to be a very good football team. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, that's the only competition in the division. Then you have the Rams um, and Packers, basically. I like those odds better than staying in the AFC. Um, If I had to pick in the NFC South, I'd probably rank them Saints the most likely Carolina, Atlanta. But I mean, it switches every five minutes for me, it feels like. It really does. There we go. That's three different choices, right? Hey, I ranked them. I said Saints first. <laughs> no, no, Saints no. I'm first. saying you, you've got Saints. I've got, I've got Panthers, and and oh yeah, I've got the Falcons. So yeah, and I think I, and, and Nate makes a great point. You know who's ready to compete now? They got the weapon. Carolina has the weapons. I feel like with Atlanta, they would have to offload money. Of course, getting Matt Ryan out, uh, 29 year old, almost 30. Great, uh, Grady Jarrett. Do you want to get off his contract? you know, save some money, start a rebuild. And hopefully with Deshaun Watson, the rebuild won't take that long, honestly, especially in a weekend NFC where Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, 45 year old Tom Brady. As long as the team's good at doing it because the Texans didn't do anything with him. You know, that's the thing he doesn't want to be back in. That's why this is fascinating. And I, like, I wouldn't rule out the Browns for that reason is that that's going to be their pitch to him is like, we've got, the guy who won coach of the year last year. We've got a GM people respect, and we've got talent at all parts of the roster. Yes, the AFC is tougher, but like they just traded for Amari Cooper. They've got Nick Chubb. They've got Miles Garrett. Like they have certain players that these other ones don't. Um, so it's it's just going to be interesting because, like I said, I think all four can make a good pitch, and someone's going to be a better salesman than all the others, and they're going to win. Oh. It really and it really all comes down to we don't know what the other teams are like. The report is that to get a sit-down interview with Deshaun Watson, you had to get your trade offer accepted by the Texans. So the trade offer is there on their little folder on the Houston front office desk. We don't know who those young players are. If Atlanta's getting Watson, is Pitts in the deal? If the Saints get him, are they losing some of those young linemen or defensive or offensive linemen? Their right tackle, Ryan Ramchek, has reportedly possibly been a name that's rumored to be in a potential potential deal what i'm saying we we do not know now do those players know i'm sure if the franchise respects that route i mean usually those guys are in conversation with guys if they're in those discussions so players might know that they're in those but we don't know it's probably young guys and first round picks and all this hoopla but there's just so much to know that's what deshaun's gonna want to know is who are you sending back 
And so what's this roster going to look like? And that's where I think the Falcons are up against it is like, once he realizes there's five good players here and two of them are leaving, um, you know, yeah, but if, who knows? Maybe Pitts the, is, the home is, Pitts is in that deal. I don't know if you're, even if you're home, if you're Matt Ryan, how you could make, accept the deal. Oh God. I can't. Yeah. Oh man. Come, come, no, cause they've got no cap space either. Like it is, it's basically accepting that. And then they're going to trade their picks out. They probably have to trade more picks than these other teams because they don't have as many young players, you know. So I just – that's why I think, like, the in a football sense and in a trade sense, the Browns, I think, are going to have the best package. But like you guys said, like, they may say, like, I don't – the Texans don't really want to trade with the AFC, and he may not want to be in the AFC. And he also – maybe he wants to be in a warm-weather city. Although there's even speculation that the Browns are going to pitch building a dome for Deshaun Watson. Like there's nothing off the table in this process, oh and it's gosh. just fascinating to watch it play out. That's how desperate the Cleveland Browns are, man. Golly, that that is how hard it is to find a quarterback. How many number one overall picks have they had? How many top five picks have they had? And they still can't find a quarterback. They're already out on their number one overall quarterback. It is hard to find a quarterback, guys. It is so hard. So. Guys, That's why I, if, if they wind up with Matt Ryan, like I don't think there should be any poo-pooing about that. Cause like you have to move heaven and earth to yes. get like a good one in whatever. I just don't think the price they'll pay for Matt Ryan will even compare to like anything else we're talking about, what it took to get Trey Lance or Patrick yeah. Mahomes. And of course it didn't. He's not a long-term answer, but like you could for win what you're, Matt Ryan. For what you're gonna get for two years, especially with a good roster, you're gonna be playing in January with a chance to be playing in deep January. That's just that's just what Matt Ryan brings you. Guys, I am just so excited. I would love, love, love Matty Ice in Indianapolis. Uh, Come on, Matt Ryan or Matt Corral? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> no, we're talking Desmond Ritter as a rookie, okay? Uh, Desmond Ritter's season, okay? Even though Matt Corral is both of our QB1 Um on our on our draft board but anyways guys this has been a fun episode i feel like i have been talking colts football for 24 24 hours straight that's just legitimately what it feels i think everyone that joined in our spaces earlier today it was a three hour spaces talking colts football everything we talked about today uh thank you to nate jumping on the show i saw you jumped in that spaces as well thank you for jumping on here man uh, where, where can people find you and where, where, where's your work at? Yeah, so you can find me at the Indy star, uh, indystar.com and on Twitter at Nate Atkins underscore. And yeah, you'll probably see me jumping in some more spaces, especially whenever, whenever they finally figure out this quarterback thing, we'll have a few more things to talk about. Hey, once Matt Ryan comes to Indianapolis, Super Bowl time in Arizona, baby. That's what I'm talking about. There we go. All right, right, guys. He is Nate Adkins. He is Destin Adams. I am Michael Pevia. Thank you for tuning into this show of the Blue Stable Podcast, guys. We are coming back once again. Once more news starts happening, make sure you're following the Blue Stable on Twitter. The link is in the description below. Nate's Twitter is also going to be in the uh, description below. Make sure you give him a look and a follow there, guys. Once again, he is Nate. He is Destin. I am Michael. Thank you again. We'll talk coach soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.